Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And it does look like the monsoonal patterns are here. I've gotten a couple, I think I've had a half an inch of rain in our, in the lane backyard. Uh, probably more than that here at the garden center, which is only like three miles away. I mean, it's, I, I live right next to the garden center. I, I bike to work often, uh, but that's how the monsoon rain patterns work. You can have rain over your house, but just a, a block or two over, nothing, just dry. I saw the rain over there, but I didn't feel a drop. Uh, but it's coming. It'll come to your neighborhood, too. That's how the patterns work. So half inch already. On average, this is Prescott, Arizona. It uh, kind of depends on where you're at. The back side of, of, let's say, Granite Mountain, it's a little less. On the front side, a little more. It just depends on where that cloud forms and hits and releases all that moisture. But on average, we'll get two and a half to three inches of rain this month. And we'll do the same thing again next month. So we get most of our, our, our wet pattern, most of our moisture for the year happens during this monsoon rain pattern. And then it can be bone dry. Well, like last month, June, it was just literally bone dry. It was just dry as could be. I, I think I had a, a smattering of water and that was it. And then it was just all your plants were dependent on your irrigation. It was like a lifeline. And, and plants do not like drip irrigation. It's not the ideal way to water plants. It just simply gets them through until the rains actually come. It's more of a supplement or a gap filler of our natural rain patterns. You need plants in your backyard that, can, that, that grow naturally in our backyard uh, without a lot of irrigation. And then when you give them any amount of care, they just thrive and take off. So now, if, if your plants were getting a little beat up last month, they were looking a little rough, brown leaves, spotted leaves, curled leaves, cracked, torn, ripped, dried leaves. If they just looked a little uh, under the weather or dry, that's pretty common. June is, is the mountains of Arizona, June is the most difficult month to garden in. Everyone thinks January, oh, it's so difficult. Oh my gosh, January so cold. Yeah, but the plants are are so they're just they're just chilled. They're like in a cryogenic state. They just lock into place. They're moving, but it's really slow. Well, right now they are actively moving fast. I mean, they are like on high hyperspeed. Things are growing. You can watch your grapes grow by the hour out there. It's amazing. It's fun to watch. Uh, some of your vines, some of your faster growing plants. The maples are starting to push really good growth. The desert willows have started to bloom. Crepe myrtles are starting to crack their colors and show off that, that fancy shrub, that, that intense, vibrant watermelon pinks and, and, and whites and all those fancy red colors. This is an actively growing time in the yard. If some of your plants got a little rough, uh, that's okay. You take advantage of the monsoon rains that happen. So some of my Japanese maples, they were, they were suffering. Uh, this is not good Japanese maple country. 
Uh, everyone wants to grow one. And if you read the tags, it grows in full sun. It will take anything you give it. Give it wind. Uh, no, no, not at this altitude. This is a rougher climate. And so some of those plants, if you don't place them in just the right spot, they get beat up. So I had some Japanese maples in containers that dress up a north side or direct west side of my house. And they've been there for years. Um, I, I know that it's a struggle for them right there. That's okay. I'm a gardener. I like to help plants get through their struggle. Gardeners just know how to nurse plants along. And so I had spritzed the foliage with some wilt stop by just locking in the in that moisture because I knew that June was dry. But I still got a few little brown tips. That's okay. What I've done now is in my containers, all of my containers I have fertilized with a water-soluble flower power. It's a liquid. It's like a miracle grow, only way, way better. So I mixed that up in my watering can, and I gave that to all of my containers, not just my Japanese maples. And already, it's only been a week. Already, you can see tiny little leaves starting to come out, new new buds coming out on the flowers. New gardenias are starting to form because you're fertilizing right now. The humidity has gone up. There's been some afternoon rains, a couple of them at our house, and all of a sudden the plants are just, I mean, they are responding. This is a good time to fertilize everything in the yard, not just your containers. It's even a better time to be planting your summer-loving plants. They prefer to be planted during the when the soil is very, very warm. And so if your plants were struggling, fertilize them. If you've got some open holes and you see the neighbors have got this beautiful um, native-looking tree that grows about, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall, these beautiful red to pink flowers on it, that's probably a desert willow. It grows wild. You can plant one for yourself, and it would, it would thrive if you plant it in the yard right now. If you've got a neighbor that's got a, a beautiful shade tree, if you're just thinking about you need some shade, I can't enjoy the twilight, the sunsets in my backyard because the sun is so intense. Now is a tremendous time to be planting a new tree in your yard. Now, I wouldn't say that if you were living down in Phoenix. It's a terrible time. If you're in the Midwest and you really don't irrigate, you don't have, you just plant and let it do its thing, you don't plant in the summer. But here where the monsoon rains are, where it's cool in the evening, this is a just a, a an ideal, kind of the best scenario when you get some moisture, some warm soils, some actively growing plants. What happens is when a plant is actively growing above ground, the same exact thing is happening below ground. And so you don't just get top growth, new foliage, leaves, branches. You also get the same thing. The, the roots mirror what's going on above ground. And so if it's actively growing, that's a sign, ooh, I can really force some new roots on this thing. I could really get a strong, robust, drought-hardy plant. So that's why you want to fertilize. And I, I went through my yard. I fertilized everything in the yard with 744 all-purpose plant food. Now, that's an organic food that I made decades ago that's developed for plants here in, to correspond, to, to work in conjunction with our natural environment, our rains, our moisture. And so you put that on there. It goes right through the rock, right through the fabrics. It goes right through. You just chuck it on. You don't work it in. You just let it go and let the rains hit it and work its way into the ground. The beauty with organics 
is that every time water hits that those granules, those organic granules, because it's natural, that is, it's made from cottonseed meal and bone meal and feather meal and just different kinds of organic uh, uh, ingredients, they don't break down, they don't release instantly all at once. That's what a chemical fertilizer does. Organics, they almost work in conjunction with your mycorrhizal colonies, your worms, your the beneficials in the soil. They'll actually help you break it down, digest it, so it becomes a very long feeding pattern for your plants. They much prefer that. Uh, a lot of the chemicals are almost like a it's like a heroin addict. I mean, they're just they're just juiced up and hyped. And and while the fertilizer's there, it's great. Oh man, I'm gonna grow, grow, grow green. I'm just gonna go green. And then you know, two weeks, three weeks later, it's gone, and you're left with they're left wanting. So it's much better to go with a longer released organic fertilizer. It's healthier for your plants. It's healthier for you, quite honestly. It's definitely healthier for your pets who are walking all over it, birds pecking around in it. It just makes sense. Organics can be, I know some of you folks have come from the East Coast is famous for their chemicals. They only chuck chemicals on the yard, petroleum-based products. I only want chemicals. I want to see it react now. Yeah, but there's so much, there's so many better, there's a better way. You just got to up your game a little bit with knowledge or you just come to the right garden center who can get you, who's done all the formulation for you. It goes in a hand spreader. You just chuck it around the yard. Or we can actually show you how to make your own recipes. It's kind of fun, actually. Anyway, got a lot in store for you on this show. Lisa Watersley is coming in with your garden questions. We'll hear what your neighbors are saying right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are hibiscus, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and sensation maples. Sensation maples grow fast. The spring leaves erupt with soft reds. They quickly mature to a refreshing green for summer-long shade. Autumn, it unleashes a brilliant display of red leaves. Where this maple really shines is in the areas with challenging garden soils. The picture-perfect tree to line driveways or shade a patio. You'll only find Sensation Maples here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? We can feed off of that. Just we can get a feel for what's in bloom, what bugs are hitting the gardens. And then we can share that and let everyone else know. Because when aphids hit a neighborhood, they don't just hit your garden. They hit the whole part, that whole part of the city. When grasshoppers hit, they're up and down the valley from 
Paulden to Chino Valley to Prescott Valley to Cordes Junction. They're, they're everywhere. So we can help get that word out and how to solve that. And so, Lisa, welcome to the studio. Thank you. So the summer transition's happening. You guys have been busy. I had, to, I had to actually beg her to come to the studio. She was going to go keep unloading car, unloading plants on the back dock. I went, honey, we, we've got deadlines. Radio doesn't wait. You've got you to get over here. So Plants don't wait either. <laughs> well, that's true. So the whole uh, summer mix. Mm-hmm. So spring is out. Definitely. In fact, uh, this is kind of an inside scoop. Um, if you want a bargain plant, now's the time for a spring plant. Mm-hmm. We've got all these fresh, new summer bloomers are in stock. We just feature all those and, and things that were onesie twosies mm-hmm. left or it was in bloom, but now it's not. You know, we just take it home. We don't, we don't want it. Just take, <laughs> here's, a, here's a bargain price. Just take it with you and go plant is a great time to put perennial specifically. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. some, some veggies. A few herbs. Yeah. There's not much left up there, so it's kind of no. d- down to the dredges, but lots of great perennials. There truly is. At some pretty good prices. We're, we made some bargains out there. Take them home because we don't want to keep <laughs> watering them. We'd have, rather have you take them home and you water them. <laughs> we got fresh new stuff that are more inspiring. Right. Basically, we want inspiring stuff. Well, we want sure. it to feel like a botanical garden when you come into mm-hmm. the garden center. And that you're so inspired, you came in to kill a bug, and you go, "Whoa, what is that? that that's kind of I want one of those." And you get mm-hmm. to take it home and and go plant it. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the summer stuff, the echinaceas, the uh, beard tongues, pinstemons, flocks, the tall flocks are in. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of good stuff. Those are things you don't find at the garden center in spring. They're mm-hmm. they're mainly now is when you get to see oh, yeah. them show up in tall flocks. People ask for one. It hasn't even emerged. Yeah. No one wants to buy a bucket of dirt. Right. We know the roots are alive, but it takes a lot to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like planting a bulb. Yeah. They're ugly, putrefied masses that you put in the ground. It takes a gardener to actually visualize what it's going to look like. Yes. Well, perennials that are dormant are the same way, but not now. Oh no, they're beautiful. They're My in goodness. their glory right now. You can smell the fragrance. Mm-hmm. That is true. So garden questions. Well, we yes, got? we got some, most definitely. First one is from Barbara. She's in Prescott Valley. Her purple robe locust had been looking beautiful, bloomed beautiful. Suddenly, it's developed a lot of yellow leaves, and now the yellow leaves are starting to drop. She's yeah. wondering, is it something she did? Uh, what does she need to correct, or what's going on? Well, there's a lot of things it could be, and I, I can't really, without seeing it, that's a hard one. Bring a lamp, bring a, a leaf in. If you could put it in a Ziploc baggie, and we'll put it under the microscope. We can see if it's aphid, a ciliad, a thrip, a spider mite. If it's an insect, we can spot that in a heartbeat. It could also be any one of those things, or it could be a leaf spot. So we're seeing some of that show up. And locusts, eh, it's not prone to it, but yeah, it does show up sometimes. Really easy to solve if you know what it is, but a leaf spot solution is totally different than a bug solution. One's a bug killer, one's a leaf spot killer. So <laughs> just, I don't know which one, and you can't cross, one won't do the other, the other won't, mm-hmm. anyway. The main thing you can do, yellowing, just sounds like overwatering, just lots of water. We flush all the nutrients out of the soil, and you start to see this yellowing. The pH just creeps up too high. You need the right fertilizer will lower the pH, green up the plant, and encourage it to spark new foliage coming out. First and foremost, 
give it all-purpose plant food, without doubt, just no matter what happens, bugs or whatever, all-purpose plant food. It's a 744 cottonseed meal. And then for the stressed out, because this, this is definitely stressed, um, go ahead and in addition to that, also give it humic. Humic is a humic acid, and it helps it to root, encourage deeper, stronger root mass. Uh, those two things, food and, and more roots, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, everything in the yard should have that, mm -hmm. but especially things that are stressed. And then bring a sample. I just don't know. Have you seen samples of the garden coming in um, or things happening? I'm seeing a lot in the neighborhoods. I I kind of attribute it to a lot of the heat stress. Yeah, water. Water. But um, it's always good to have it looked at. Yeah, you absolutely. I mean, if you're if it's an established plant, it was last week's garden class. Someone had a something. It wasn't a purple robe bloke. It was something else. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was uh, berries. They had berries starting to fruit, and then it started to turn yellow and drop all of its fruits. So I went, well, that's a water issue. Yeah, I just didn't have enough. Things are really sensitive when they're starting to fruit. you got to really be on your game with that. If that tree uh, was planted five years ago, and you put an emitter or two at the base of the tree five years ago, now it's grown up. Now it's not a 10-foot tree. Now it's a 30-foot tree. You need to relocate those, those drip emitters further out. And increase the volume. Probably not two emitters. You probably need four. And they can't be at the trunk. They need to be out towards the drip line. If you don't do that, at least hand water it. Put a supplemental hand water, and that'll take the edge off. So more than likely, coming through this heat, we haven't quite had enough moisture to hydrate the soil yet. Mm -hmm. It could easily be something as simple as just wasn't watered enough. It turned yellow, and it's shedding some foliage because it's losing too much moisture through its leaves. It goes, I'm going to conserve. If I drop half my leaves, I'm using half the water I need to. Therefore, I'm good until the rains come. So anyway. Okay. Next question is from Tom. He's looking for a large tree to screen his house from the road. He was going to use an Austrian pine, uh, but he was informed by a friend that he said they were very messy trees. You don't want that. Well, he wants to know, what's your opinion and what else would you recommend? I love Austrian pines. Now, ponderosa pines... They're, those are the native ones. They're really tall. They're just a trunk with needles <laughs> up there. Yeah. They are messy. So pines can drop some needles. All evergreens drop some needles. Mm -hmm. All of them. So if you want sterile everything, don't plant. Just put rock down and don't plant. But but as far as pine trees go, Austrian pine, it's not. It's it's a third the size of a ponderosa. So if it does have some leaf litter, it is one-third the amount so it's not as messy mm -hmm. it holds its foliage right down to the ground and so it's a long needle pine much like a ponderosa pine does but it holds that foliage all the way to the ground so it's a much better landscape plant mm -hmm. evergreens as they as the bark um, thickens after its spring growth um, it can shed some needles just because the bark it, the needles can no, can no longer feed off the cambium layer underneath the bark. The bark is just too thick, and it insulates the, the inside. That's why the inside of a spruce, a pine, a fir, a juniper, whatever, doesn't have needles. It's shed those years mm -hmm. past. But that's why I would not, I would not, I, I love Austrian pine. I would, mm -hmm. I would I say agree. stop listening to that neighbor. Plant an Austrian <laughs> or a scotch or yeah. there's, there's yeah. plenty of them here. Sure. No, I would agree with you on that one. Okay. I think we have a minute for another one. Chuck wants to put in a small patch of lawn for his dog. Wants to know, is now the time to put out seed or is it better to do sod? 
Um, and if no, when should he put it in? So you can do it now. I mean, especially a small patch because you can easily supplement water that. Pray for the monsoon rains. The rains can help you. The perfect time is March and October. I mean, if you just want what the book says, March, October, the best time to put lawns in uh, by seed or sod. Uh, but if you do it now, it'll germinate. That seed will germinate literally within five, seven days. I mean, it's just like now because the soil's so warm. So it's a good time. It's just it can get dry. We'll have some afternoon rain, mm-hmm. and then it will be dry for three days. You'll need to, to water those seedlings probably two, three times a day. So put on a clock that allows you to do that. You should be good to go. I would say fescue and bluegrass. Go with those two. Those are cool season grasses. One's called Prescott Blend. We sell it here. It's it's a bluegrass blend. The other's called a heat and drought hardy blend. It's fescues. It's a deeper rooted type of grass. For dogs, I would encourage the fescue. Go with the to go with that one. The deeper roots cause less spotting for the for the lawns. Not quite as soft, but it looks just as good. Uh, but just you don't you don't want to put a lawn out there and then the dog goes a couple times and especially it's big gone. dog and then they just start <laughs> spotting it all over the place. That's not ideal. Fescue's your solution to that. Okay. Great questions this week. Thanks for being in here, Lisa. We'll be right back with more. This is Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper. It's just $24 and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. I've got to tell you, I have had, maybe it's rain, I don't know. But I've noticed that snails and slugs have just started to really become active and showing up. Now, here's the damage that you'll see, let's say, on your peppers or or cucumbers or or flowers, whatever the plant is. You'll see a leaf, and it'll just have holes missing out of it. That is snail and slug damage. It, It sort of looks like grasshopper damage. Only you see the grasshoppers. They're, they're active now, too. They're a problem. But snail and slugs, you don't see them very often. They're underneath the rocks or under the leaf litter. They're, they're hiding during the day because the sun dries them out. Or birds, 
They're like they're like hors d'oeuvres running around. They, they don't come out while the birds are out. So they'll hide during the day, come out and feed all night. So they can deceive you. But the indication is you have some holes missing. It could be in the middle of the leaf. Just a hole is just, just there. Where'd that come from? What, what caused that? Snails, slugs. What's the difference between a snail and a slug? One's got a shell. One doesn't. They do the same exact damage. I don't know why one's got a shell and one doesn't, but they're both bad and they're both out. If you have that happening, it is really easy to just ignore it and go, or you'll see home remedies going, go out and just pick them off. They, one snail can lay a thousand eggs. There is no way to get ahead of these. They just come at you. They come at you with such force and they love the monsoonal, this, this midsummer through early fall. This is when they, they can explode in populations in your backyard. They can do more damage than most other insects and you don't even see it happening. So I, I really do encourage you, th this is not one to mess around with. Um, you'll hear all kinds of remedies, you know, like waste good beer by putting it in a, in a saucer and watch them drown to death. Although that's a good way to die, I don't know, but you can never put enough beer out there or wine or whatever the salt or whatever the home remedies are. You can't get enough out there to knock the population down. You know, why would you waste good beer anyway on, on snails and slugs? It just doesn't make sense. What you need to do is they make organic snail bait. Now, so many of the snail and slug baits are extremely poisonous. You really don't want these in your backyard, especially if you've got pets or you've got birds. But there's a whole other series of organic uh, snail and slug baits. It's a little tiny pellet. You sprinkle it out where they're at. They're highly attracted to it. They come in and they eat it, and they're, they're basically iron-laced. And so they'll start to digest this, and a little bit of iron's good for you. A lot of it will kill a snail or a slug. Uh, kills some, some other like earwigs, some other minor things, but really you're after snails and slugs this time of year. You sprinkle some of that around your vinca or under, around that uh, patio fountain where you've seen all those slimy trails roaming around. You can't find the snail or slug, but you know they're there because you can see where they came out last night. Just sprinkle some of this snail and slug bait down there. They'll come out and digest it, and all you'll, they'll, just, they'll just be gone. It's the only way to truly have a broad, uh, effective way to control this that's also safe. Safe for your pets, safe for your birds, safe for your gardens. And so I'm, I'm very sensitive in my own yards because we've got a little dog and a great big dog. And then we're bird people. We, we, we garden for the birds. The last thing I want to do is have the birds come and pick up some of the pellets and I see dead, you know, feathers all over the place. That would not go down well in our house. I'd just feel terrible. But organic snail and slug baits, very easy to use. And do it early. Don't wait until we're halfway down through the, through the monsoon season where now all of a sudden you have 500 snails. And right now you've only got five dozen. The, 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 the rate at which they populate is extreme. So we're kind of, that's something I've seen in my own gardens. I think it can help with you as well. That, and if you see a lot of damage, snip off the, the spent leaves. This goes for any kind of bug or any kind of damage. If you see some, like I had some yellow leaves on my tomatoes. I'm going, oops, okay. I, I had, I'd been watering like crazy. They'd been producing tomatoes like crazy, and they started to go off color. 
And so I went through, I just nipped those off very quickly, the yellow damaged leaves, gave it some more fertilizer in my containers. These are my container gardens. Mainly is where I saw it. Uh, the, the ones out in the yard, not so bad, or in the raised beds, not as bad. The ones in the containers, they were showing more stress. And so I cleaned those up, didn't take very long, picked the tomatoes off, ate quite a few of those, and then I went ahead and fertilized my tomatoes with a gypsum-based calcium, give it calcium and the, the flower power. That's kind of what I did in my own container gardens. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Uh, that will green them up right now. It'll help them to form more fruits, and it'll help them to form larger fruits. Um, you've got gypsum or iron sulfate, or there's some different types of calciums you, you can give your tomatoes and your peppers. They'll benefit from that right now because the fertilizer you put on back there in the spring, those that's all gone. You've been you flushed that out. The plants have used it. You need to replenish that now at the start of the monsoon, which will. Uh, just make them produce from this point forward produce even more than you ever dreamed of the gardens are just getting started keep them going by giving some food the mountain gardener your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season in a new place it's difficult to know who to trust how to get help at the house and which nursery will simply do what they say they'll do at Waters Garden Center, we're here to help, in the landscape at least. Our team of plant ambassadors know your neighborhood, the plants that add color, increase privacy, and add fragrance and beauty. And we can show you exactly how to plant locally, or we have teams to do all the work for you. We are Ken and Lisa Lane, and we guarantee our plants will live up to every promise here at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rose of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, we've got a delightful segment with my favorite gal, Lisa Watersling, is in the studio. My better half, definitely by, for sure. Prettier half, smarter half, better, more fit. Just uh, you got everything going on, my dear. That's why well, we've got 33 years coming up next week, I, I believe. Know. Is that right? Did I get that right? 33 years? You are years? correct. It's 32 years, 360, uh. 59 days, and <laughs> let me figure out hours. And they've all been delightful. They've all made my life better. Well, thank Thanks you, for marrying me. It's very sweet. You're welcome. This segment's all for Lisa. We just get her take on gardening, just what her thoughts are, and just how to make a better... I think it's valuable to have multiple gardeners looking at a garden plot and getting their their, their ideas. Mm -hmm. There's no one right way to garden. There's it's multiple way. right ways. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> Lisa's way. Yeah, usually the way it works at the Lane House. I want to garden here. Get the soil and irrigation ready. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I don't want that pot. I want, I want that pot moved. You just 
take the dirt out and, and get it put put fresh dirt in. I'm going, yes, it's not that bad. Not quite. Sometimes it can be. It feels mm-hmm. that way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what do you got for us this week as far as garden inspiration? What are what can you help folks garden better with? Well, I thought this week we could talk about xeriscape gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and people come here and, and xeriscape gardening is a very popular type of gardening. I think some people get confused and they think it's xeriscape. So all they do is throw rock yeah. out there and go, look, I've landscaped. I have rock in my yard. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I... I thought, you know, we could just talk a little bit about what that means in our area. Sure. Great idea. So Zurich is, it will probably naturalize after you mm-hmm. get it rooted, after you get it established. It'll take far less care, generally mm-hmm. going to have less insects. Maybe isn't quite as formal looking, right. but it looks more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it could, you could make it more formal you if can. you wanted to. Yeah. But, you know, the, the principles of a Xeriscape, uh, yard design is essentially have a good design yeah. because if you you know throw two rocks out there and a prickly pear that's not very exciting no and that's, that's not terrible. really zero escape designing <laughs> so having a good plan and you know you can go online and find those there's some good designers in town um, Why would but you tell people to go online? Come to Waters Garden Center. Well, I'm saying if they're we have looking- experts here that can help you. Bring <laughs> an iPad. Okay, yes, you're right. But it gives you some ideas of what you like. Oh, and pictures. And what you want to have flowing sure. yeah, in your yeah, yard. Yeah. Yes. That's what Pinterest That's what is I for. Meant. There That's you go. The Do best. a Pinterest yeah. board. <laughs> Of course, you're going to look for water-efficient plants because that's yeah. part of the Xeriscape. And the other part of that is you're going to want an irrigation system that is efficient. And irrigations are great, but you... Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to irrigation systems. So that's something to think about because some plants, big trees need more, little plants need less. So it's you want to plan with that. Yeah, it allows you to have vegetable gardens, mm-hmm. which need watering every day right now. But you don't want right. to put your desert willow every right. day watering and kill it in a heartbeat or your mm-hmm. sumacs or your cotoneasters. It'd kill them. Every, every one of them would kill them. Right. Uh, they want once a week, maybe every 10, 14 days once they're established, mm-hmm. if, if that. If that, uh, right. So, yeah, it, allow, it gives you, like, our containers are all on their on their own valve. Mm-hmm. And then the raised beds are on a separate valve. So we right. just separate it out. Mm-hmm. And then using mulches in the yard, just composted mulch, shredded bark. Um, I really don't think of rock as a mulch. Is rock considered Technically, a mulch? Technically, it is a mulch. It okay. does keep the weeds out if thick enough, especially <laughs> on top of fabric. does hold moisture in if mm-hmm. thick enough. Right. It can also create a heat island effect, so it could do the opposite for you. It can heat up around your yard if you don't have enough trees to cool off the rock. So mm-hmm. that's where it can backfire. That's where it gets confusing. But right. mulch is technically, by the book, uh, rock is a mulch. Okay. But I don't I prefer believe organic. it. But, oh, okay. I prefer shredded bark. <laughs> you know, yeah, organic. I mean, you could use some rock, maybe just not moonscapes out there um and then just keeping it maintained now i would say most xeriscapes yards are probably more low maintenance would you agree with that well if you're taking care of it right i love low maintenance lawns like that rock Mm -hmm. because one dandelion coming up on your rock (laughs) rock lawn will drive you crazy whereas if you see a a, a dandelion coming up in a lawn Mm -hmm. you're gonna go yeah i'll get to it later or just uh so just it depends, you yeah. know, it just well, you should sh- be lower maintenance. Yeah. 
I would think so. Because a low water, less pruning, less, mm-hmm. yeah. I would think. And then the other thing to think about is, yes, you, you definitely can use some native plants in there. But you can also mix in plants that maybe aren't necessarily natives, but boy, they sure act like natives. And that's yeah. what we've done in our backyard yeah. is we took we had a lot of native type things in there. And then we just put in in plants that were complementary. Yeah, they complemented Com- each other. Same type of watering. Yeah. And you know, uh, we have a couple of juniper, uh, the gold, old gold junipers back in there. And, you know, people just lose their head the minute you mention junipers. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but they can fit a really nice variety of uses in a zero ta- zero-scape type yard. And zero care. I mean, these things are six feet around and we just spit at them every once in a while. We, we, don't, we neglect them terribly, and they look fabulous. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah. So definitely you can put some other uh, plants in there that aren't. Uh, one of my favorites is the gray leaf ketoniaster. Yeah. I think that is such a pretty plant, and it really fits in nicely to that type of landscape. So a gray shrub up about hip high, perfectly ball-shaped, mm-hmm. evergreen. Red berries against the red, the gray foliage, the gray leaf, yeah. and you see it growing wild yeah. out in the in the mountainsides here here locally. Mm, definitely, in fact, any of the cotoneasters I think would work really yeah, well in too. that. Bear grass is probably one of my favorites. That one is a true native. Yeah. See that everywhere. Um, the agave, so Perry's agave, the artichoke agaves. Uh, I think they look terrific out in the yards and. They can take our cold. Now, not every agave can take our cold. Right, yeah. You got to make sure you're getting ones that work for us. Most of the ones that you see out in the wild, the ones that are shooting up that big mm-hmm. white flower right now, agaves, or century plant, mm-hmm. they have that spire that goes up, grows like a foot a day. Those are generally the, the agave, mm-hmm. uh, uh, perii, perii, or, or uh, artichoke agaves. Mm-hmm. They just grow wild out there. So yeah. they're so easy. Super, super easy. Any of the yuccas, they're soft leaf yeah. yuccas, beaked yuccas, red yuccas, yellow yuccas, coral yuccas. <laughs> Main thing with those that you're mentioning, just don't go to Phoenix to buy them. Right. Because those are going to be the desert varieties. You bring them up here, they're going to do fabulous for you mm-hmm. through summer. But come winter, they're going to die to the plant. So you do want high altitude yuccas, high right. altitude agaves, high altitude mm-hmm a cacti, Mm -hmm. if you're going to go down the the, the southwestern mix. Right. We have uh, the yellow bird of paradise. So that that Mexican bird of paradise. So the one that grows down in Phoenix is more orange. That one will not live up up here. But the yellow bird of paradise does very well up here. I think it goes down to minus 10 or minus Mm -hmm. 20 degrees. I'm really cold. Saint, did you that uh, you should mention that huge yucca? That we oh. get two of them. So Joshua trees grow wild up here. Uh-huh. They adapt. We found some Joshua trees on steroids. It's it they they grow natively just east of Albuquerque, so high mm-hmm. altitude, very cold, hardy, but they have a thicker leaf, yeah. more stubby, more more substantial. Uh, normally, we can't afford to ship them to Prescott because they're too bulky, right. take up too much <laughs> truck space. <laughs> yes. But if you've got a buddy who backhauled them for us, now we got these exotic. They must stand head high. They're six feet tall. They're, they're, they're six feet wide. They're huge. I've never seen anything like them. Guaranteed, if you've got that in your yard, you will be the only one that will ever have that particular yucca <clears throat> in, 
in your neighborhood. Oh, really. yeah. It'd be a beautiful specimen out yeah. there in the yard as well. Um, a lot of your um, perennials fit nicely into that type of xeriscape. You know, the, I want to say cotoneaster again. What's the other? <laughs> Coneflower. There yeah. it goes. Coneflower, galardias, coreopsis. A lot of great colorful things that you can throw in there as well. Yeah. Great choice. Perennials, shrubs, mm -hmm. trees. You can all plant those now. Sure. And they will, once they get it rooted for a year or two, they can go all by themselves. Mm -hmm. All right. You've tuned in to Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. There are an entire series of plants that just thrive, truly, truly thrive in the hot summer. It's been hot. It was close to 100 degrees at our house and some of my plants were struggling trying to get through, and some just went, whoa, oh boy, am I ever happy. Could you turn it up a little, about five more degrees, I'll be even happier. And so there's this whole series of plants that really, truly enjoys hot summer gardens. You need to make sure you're working with the environment, with the seasons, instead of against it. So many gardeners, the mistake I see them make is they're trying to plant pansies right now or snapdragons or Dusty Miller or the spring plants are what they want, but it's summer. They're not going to thrive. Spring plants love the spring and the fall. They like it when it's real cool in the evening and, and kind of warm days, but not hot. But you get things like Peppers. There's decorative peppers, hot peppers. There's all kinds of ornamental peppers that are starting to come out. Lantanas, marigolds, zinnias, verbenas, neambergia. There's, there's a whole series of, of blooming plants that actually bloom more when it's hot, when you surround them by asphalt, when you, when you take a blow dryer to them. and You just, just heat them up and they just start taking off. One of my favorites this time of year is crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle, everyone likes crepe myrtle. Now, crepe myrtle's for you folks in the South. It's famous for a, a, really, they grow into trees up to about 15 feet tall. 
they don't really do that in the mountains here. Uh, the mountain at high elevation, we can get a real cold winter, and so it sets them back sort of like a perennial. They almost act like a perennial shrub in the yard. So every three to four or five years, they get burned back by winter cold, back down to the ground. The roots are still alive, but the top part died. You prune that off, you fertilize it in March, and they just start taking off with new growth again, and they'll turn into these shrubs. Usually most crepe myrtles, are these are the ones with the, the watermelon pinks, the solar reds, the LED whites, just the really bright, bright colored flowers that blooms from summer through fall. That's crepe myrtle. Grows up about head high or so. That's about where they, anywhere from chest to kind of head high, a little taller, depending on how old it is. But you're going to see them growing in a shrub form, not so much a tree form because of that winter cold. That's okay. I'll take it. I just love the color. Um, if you need a tree, you're just determined, I want a crepe myrtle tree, well, go try it. You won't buy them from me because... I just don't want you to fail. We're here for success, not not failure. Uh, but what will happen is you'll get a couple years of, of growth out on it, and you'll go, ah, proof Ken wrong. <laughs> then we'll get a cold winter, and it'll burn it right back and go, dang it, I should have listened to Ken. <laughs> That's all right. Yes, gardeners, I never tell gardeners what they can or cannot do. They'll prove you wrong every time. They'll, they'll find a way to plant it at just the right spot and make it, make it grow. But I find that chase tree. Chase tree is, is this blue spiky flower. It's a tree that grows the size of crepe myrtles. Trees actually is a very robust, hardy, native local tree. It's a butterfly magnet. It, it, hummingbirds love it. It's, it's, a, it's a pollinator, but it's very robust and it goes down to like minus 40 degrees, some crazy winter cold that you can't kill it. I'd prefer to, to if you need something really tall, do that. A desert willow. It grows wild over in Skull Valley, the Verde, um, really Prescott Valley, all the way out to Cortis, Cortis Junction. It's just, it grows wild. All the trees you're seeing bloom on the side of the road that has this real pretty uh, yellow or pink, or not yellow, a uh, white pink flower. That's, that's desert willow. It's a native. Why fight the environment? Why not work with it? So my favorite annual right now, I have a couple of them. I love vinca uh, and zinnias and verbena. There's three actually I really, really like. I mean, they just love the heat. They're very, very bright. They're, they're just easy to grow in the sun. They, they don't take a lot of water. You treat them just like you would any other plant out there, and they just thrive. They just love it. If you're, the secret is, or the, the insider tip on plants, this is how plants are programmed. Some plants, you put them out in the yard, it doesn't matter how much water you give them, they literally just melt in the sun. They just can't take it. And some plants are programmed to just, they've got defenses where they just adapt well and they take Saharan heat. I mean, just brutal heat. They're okay with that, and then they keep blooming and thriving. So you can water them a little bit, and because of their defensive mechanisms, the way they conserve moisture within their structure, their plant, or their root structure, the way it's more carrot-like instead of just real shallow and fine, they're able to take the sun. You just want to get plants that thrive in that type of environment, and your success rate goes up not just a little bit. It goes up a lot. There's a couple Arizona bloomers 
that are famous really down in Phoenix. They like that kind of heat. Bougainvillea and Lantana. Now, neither one of those will really grow that well up here. There's no Bougainvillea that will, that will grow at high elevation. They, are all, they all will freeze out and die and not come back. Uh, that's more the you know, uh, Black Canyon City and lower type of areas. So they want it to be deserty hot. There is a variety. There's two varieties we have at the garden center that, that are perennial lantanas. They're mainly going to be in the yellow and orange range, so you can't have the bubble gums and the, you know, the brighter pinks and that kind of stuff. But there are some that do exceptionally well, and you're seeing those bloom in your neighbor's gardens right now. What will happen is they don't get quite as large as they would, let's say, in Tucson or Palm Springs or Phoenix, but they do get pretty substantial. So a, a nice Miss Huff Lantana, that's a perennial variety. It's named, that's if you're up in the mountains and you, you don't want to bring it in for the winter, which it's kind of hard to do with a Lantana, they just get too big. If you want to plant one that comes back year after year, then look for Miss Huff, great choice. It's that yellowy orange colors, but that thing gets up, oh, two, three feet tall, and it will go three or four feet wide. It's magnificent. And it starts to bloom when the heat happens. So it's been, it wasn't really hot until, oh, maybe two, three weeks ago, maybe mid-June, it started to really get hot. And that's when Lantana starts to go, ah, I'm finally feeling comfortable. I think I'm going to show my stuff. Woo, and it starts to bloom like crazy. Butterflies, they love lantana. Another one that's that's kind of in that realm. I plant these together. We like birds. We like butterflies. Butterflies are sort of like, I think of them as garden fairies. They're just magical. When they show up, you don't don't expect them, but when they do, but you see big big swallowtail or or three or four monarchs or painted ladies out there, and you just go, whoa, that's pretty neat. I love butterflies, so I plant for them. I'll put a lantana, Miss Huff lantana, in front because it's a little bit lower and a butterfly bush behind it. So you get this stair-stepped landscape design. Many times the butterfly bush, which also attracts butterflies, obviously, um, that one gets up anywhere from, well, it depends on the variety. We have so many varieties. Some are ground cover, but most, most butterfly bush get about hip high for the dwarf varieties head high or a little taller for your standard size, you know, the ones that your grandparents grew. They get huge. They can get actually six, seven, ten feet tall. But uh, that's bigger than a lantana. I'll put that towards the backside. I'll step down, put a, put a lantana in front of that, and then I'll put a pinta or verbena in front of that. And all three of those love, love, love the heat. They do better. They show off. They bloom better in the summer. They prefer to be planted in the summer. And all three of those attract butterflies. It's kind of fun in the morning. We open up at like 9 o'clock in the morning here at Waters Garden Center. And uh, there's before all the customers and all the activity has happened, we've been watering since 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. So everything's moist. The sun's coming up. It's starting to feel warm. And the hummingbirds and the butterflies love garden centers and you'll see them on certain kinds of plants they just congregate they just they're kind of like people they have their certain flavors certain foods they like more than others they don't just go to any flower they got certain colors they like and and, and pollinators generally like blues 
and yellows is what I've noticed. So you'll see more butterflies, more bees, more hummingbirds in the blue flowers and the yellow flowers than any other color. Not, that's not, that's not the entire rule, but generally speaking, that's what you'll see, at least here in the garden center first thing in the morning. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to local garden expert, Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. I would like to thank some of you. I, I thank all of you for tuning in. I appreciate that. But I had I'd asked a favor last week. Someone had left me a, I called it the knucklehead factor. It just happens. If you deal with the public, you're going to get some knuckleheads. It's just part of the game. Like if you do anything, if you deal with any kind of interaction, interactions with people, there's always that you know one out of 100 that's a knucklehead. You know who I'm talking about. You know someone just like that. Well, they left a Yelp review that was a one star, and they had never even been to the garden center. In fact, I found... They lived in San Diego. They lived there, never been, but left a review for us here at the garden. It was totally rude, absolutely rude. Well, these these social media sites, they don't let you take things off. So I went, if I can't take it off, what am I going to do? So I asked a favor. I said, would you help me by putting five-star reviews on our Yelp? And I got some Google pages too, Google, Google review and Yelp reviews. Thank you, you all. I was just looking for the Yelp to bury that one star, um, and you came through. I so, so appreciate that. It's still sitting there. You can go to Yelp and look at it. I don't mind. You'll look at it and read it and go, that is a knucklehead. What were they? What were they, What was she thinking? I don't understand. So I think, th- think today's new phone, social, connected society, people haven't figured out what's socially acceptable and what's socially unacceptable. They think they can spew anything they want without repercussions. Actually, some of you were, some of you were mean back to them. I I was kind of felt bad for the the person that left the one star. You're like challenging them. (laughs) So thank you for, I love it that I feel supported. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, But that's, that's kind of, I generally don't polarize anything. I try to be fun, uplifting, informative, that's just, that's who we stand are. That's Waters Garden Center. 
I mean, I tell my staff, we've been here 58 years. We are here to make this central highlands of, of Arizona, the central part of the state. We are here to make our community a better place, a more beautiful place, but also a smarter place. We love giving back to kids and schools. We have this huge ministry thing through our churches. We give back through our nonprofits that we're involved with. We try to make better leaders because I've raised six daughters, especially female leaders. We love women who are strong and want to lead. We want to give to those organizations. And so we just have these, we, we are here to make sure our town is better. And if, if a company does that, um, I think they survive for another 58 years. And so that's been our ministry, our, our mindset. We're not just selling plants. We're here to make things better. So anyway, man, I just love my gardens. First thing in the morning and the last thing at night, my, my favorite time in the garden. I mean, early in the morning, it's just a, a great way to start the day. And so you'll see me out there often reading my book, checking news, um, the sound of nature, fresh air, just life feels good. I also like at twilight when things just slow down. I mean, your garden becomes a, a welcome retreat. It is for me, at least. And so this spring, it's created, I think, an appreciation of gardening. We're seeing more gardeners. So first-time gardeners have been amazed at what they can accomplish. I love helping them succeed. And then experienced gardeners, they're back in the groove with plants and new projects. And so I, I got to say, all of us here at Waters, just we want to say thanks. I mean, thanks for being patient as we created this new way of doing business. Thanks for making gardening as part of your home therapy or stay-at-home quarantined ritual. I mean, uh, stop at Waters Gardens and we'd love to hear your garden stories and see your garden successes on your phone or whatever. Anyway, we'll be waiting here for you here at Waters Garden Center. You know how to find us. Ken and Lisa Lane, and we love talking to fans of the show, as we say every week. Thanks for tuning in. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.